We're going to kick off an all-new issue of Geek in the City Radio. In fact, the first official issue of 2022. And, you know, just want to, again, thank everybody who's been listening for all these years and, you know, for the old-time listeners and for folks who maybe discovered us last year and decided to stick around. Uh, we are always so happy to have new listeners and our old-time listeners. Uh, it means the world to us. Um, you know, we're going to try to always make sure that the podcast itself is free. We have a lot of things that we have planned for this year that maybe, you know, might be some more paid for content. But the show itself, we're going to work really hard to always keep free for uh, for listeners. Um, and a great way to uh, to do that is, you know, we need your help. Um, whatever you listen to, whatever service you use, you know, make sure to favorite every single episode. I know it can seem kind of tedious, but... Those algorithms are, that's that's how shows live and die, you know, this era, if they don't have a big name behind it. Um, so yeah, uh, like and subscribe on whatever service you listen to. Um, you know, if you started watching us on Twitch, hey, man, that's awesome. Start following Geek in the City Radio on Twitch. If you watch us via YouTube, click like and subscribe on every episode or, you know, it it helps a lot. The more kind of likes we get on any one of the streaming services you might catch our uh, our podcast or the live video that we stream goes a long way to attracting more listeners and to help us climb that algorithm, which, you know, allows us to get more sponsors or, you know, it helps us. And um, it would mean the world if you would uh, like and share and subscribe and keep those numbers climbing for us so that we can keep bringing you the best in pop culture news and commentary week in, week out. On this here, Geek in the City Radio, which we're going to kick off right now. It's been a long, long week. Why don't you spend some time with geeks? So many issues today into which we must delve. We're going to talk about the stuff that makes you scream and shout. Hit the red alert. We're going more back through 12. Thanks for pressing play. Now we're gonna save the day. Alright! Why, hello! And welcome to issue 629 of Geek in the City Radio. I'm one of your hosts, Aaron Duran. I'm one of your other hosts, Bean Rita. And I am your other, other host, Cable Hashitani. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the show. Hello. How is everyone, Bean? Welcome back. Yay! I'm back. That was, a weird, that was a weird response. Thank you. Thank you for welcoming <laughs> me back to the show. Uh, by the way, last week was like my seven-year anniversary of being on this show. Oh, my gosh, it was. Yay! Yeah. And that means... Uh, oh, actually, No. Two weeks ago, I think, was my seven year because then last week was Cable's anniversary. Was it really? Your okay. sixth year, yeah. Well, which I failed to mention. Hmm. I'm just so bad at remembering all of that. I feel like we should probably put that on our shared calendars. Anniversaries? Yeah. The like. We could do that on the email calendar, right? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Here, I will. I will do that. I keep them in my calendar because she's a nerd. Because I'm that bitch. <laughs> uh, well, 
There's no like good way to segue this. While you're looking up the calendar, <laughs> um, the irony being he'll appreciate that it's an awkward segue and that we're laughing because that's kind of the guy he is. Um, longtime listener, Gerald. Uh, he's been a friend for a while too, but he's been listening since the beginning. Uh, dude actually has a Geek in the City tattoo on his arm. Oh, no shit. Really? Yeah. Yeah. He got it like that. 10 years ago. Did not know uh, that. Yeah. Um, I, I just always knew he was a solid dude. I didn't know that. That's that's great. Yeah. No, he's a really good guy. Uh, but he had um, some horrible news. Uh, I think either New Year's Day or the day after New Year's Day, he received news that his uh, son was shot and killed in Portland. Uh, we don't know any other details. And even if we did, it's not our place to talk about it here. Um, but he is trying to raise funds to basically, uh, his, apparently his son's wishes was to be cremated and then, you know, interned or, or buried. I'm not sure where, uh, but Gerald is raising funds to try and help cover that. So him and his mom can kind of cover those expensive expenses, uh, because no matter how it happens, it's also expensive to die in America because we have to make a profit off of everything. Um, and he did say in full disclosure, he would use some of that money to come up here. He doesn't live in Portland right now, um, which I I personally don't think he needed to disclose. I think if you live out of town, part of those expenses seem perfectly reasonable to me. But that kind of shows what kind of guy he is. He like he flat out said, I will use some of this money to to get to Portland, you know, so I can bury my son. Um, so if you are anywhere online, if you have Venmo or Cash App or, or uh, PayPal... Um, essentially his information is the same regardless of whatever service you use to pay for stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, he is, uh, you can find him at, uh, G V A J R 77. And then if it's Venmo, you use the at sign. If it's cash app, you use the dollar sign, whatever your, whatever yours is. Um, that's where you can find him. So again, it's, uh, G V a J R seven, seven. Um, you know, if you can help out great, uh, you know, everyone, things are tight though. If you, you know, at least could, you know, kind of share his information, but, um, yeah, I mean, you know, hearts go out to him. He's always been a really great guy. Um, an amazing cook, by the way, if you've never had his food, you missed out. <laughs> um, yeah, it just sucks. And, um, you know, it's one of the things that hits home when it, impact it's weird to say when it impacts someone you know has been a fan you know and kind of a friend for so long it's just you know it's that weird it's that weird family thing that podcasts create you know basically what we're saying is listeners another listener is in trouble give them a hand yeah yeah yes that's very well put that's it um yeah we weren't sure whether to open with the the harder stuff or end with it we figured you know Let's talk about it now that we can get into the, the, the dumb stuff, you know, the nerd stuff. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, if you can, help him out. You know, rough time right now. So, anyway, we're thinking of Gerald, so. That we are. Yeah. Um, awkward transition, which he'd find hilarious. <laughs> Considering he just shared an image of nunchucks made out of deer's legs. Well, we, <laughs> he's still Jared. He's still going to say weird shit no matter what, man. That's yeah. part of his charm. <laughs> well, I mean, the holidays this year fell on weekends, so it, we didn't have 
we were so far removed from when they were happening. It wasn't yeah. just like a couple of days before, a couple of days after. We're, we're like half the week away from all of those holidays. So I know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. when we talked to people last week, we were talking about the Matrix and it was still the end of the end of December. And now it's January. And it's yeah, I don't January like this 4th. at all. It's weird. I don't like how this timeline is working right now. Mind oh, you. We're, yeah, no. Mm-mm. Hi, Maju. <laughs> Look in the camera. Yeah, see? She's like, put me down. I hate you. No, thank you. <laughs> um, but yeah, like like most, most shows, they do a year-end wrap-up of some sort. And right. We, we yeah. wanted to do a little something-something like that. Aaron had suggested a good idea, which is uh, just kind of talking about some of our favorite bits of media from 2021. Yeah, and I didn't want, like, I know a lot of sites were doing, like, you know, ranking the nine nine fucking Marvel projects that came out in 2021. Or, yeah, fuck that. I didn't want to do all that. That's why I just said, like, hey, let's just pick the top five things in any media that we liked last year. Mm-hmm. And just roll from that. You know, because I know a few people that are like, I didn't even fucking see three movies. Even if I just had them at home. They're like, I didn't watch anything new. New New sucked. I wanted comfortable. You know. I realized that as I was thinking about my... Because, you know, my memory bad. So I, I will, like, look up other people's lists. So, like, here's everything that came out in 2021. So I'm like, oh, yeah, I watched that. No, I didn't see that. And I'm like, right. there's a lot of stuff that I didn't see that I had said I wanted to see. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I, I think it's... There was a line of dialogue in The Matrix that succinctly... Put the, talked about the fact that um, nostalgia, was it uh, nostalgia? It was essentially you go back to everything that you're comfortable and familiar with because that's what makes you feel better. You have to do that because it makes you feel better. I mean, remember, it's not wrong. No, but remember that line of dialogue? I think it, it, it's said by the analyst at some point because he's talking about why all of these trappings work on people. Right. It's like, this I mean, is how you keep people complacent, but it's also, eh, this is also how you do that little bit of self care. So. Yeah. I, I started watching Dr. Who again this year. Well, wow. Year, a few months ago. Like, older I never stuff? made it. I'm, I, I stopped having access to new Dr. Who stuff right when Capaldi started. So, oh. Mm-hmm. I already like have missed several years of newer content, but um, I, I, once there's been a long gap, I just like to start over at the beginning. Yeah, I don't think I made it through the last bit of um, Matt Smith, and I haven't seen a single episode of Capaldi or um, Jody Whitaker. Yeah, whom I like a... from other stuff. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I saw one of her specials, but. I think part of it is I lost the ability to watch BBC stuff live, so it just kind of went away mm-hmm. for me. Mm-hmm. I think exactly. that happened to everyone collectively. Like you had to seek it out and pay for it specially. It's like, yeah, I I moved out of a house stuff. where the homeowner had cable television, and I do not pay for cable television on right. of my own accord. So that was that's how long it's been since I had cable thrust upon me. Phrasing. Cable television. <laughs> <laughs> We're not using phrasing anymore? Is that it? We're done? It, it, but yeah, it, no. I, um, 
You might actually like the Capaldi stuff, Bean, because he's... Well, I don't know if you dig... I I feel like the last few Doctors were all... Even though they had serious moments, it was very, very like... Well, and very like... And, and Capaldi's just such a curmudgeon. He's he's, right. he's a throwback to that 60s grumpy Doctor, which I kind of like it. He's like, you have no idea the horrors that are out there. You're all going to die. Yeah, and, and the, thing that, just- the thing that I... Uh, I I've thought about this, because what's interesting is I was still in my 20s when I was... When I the very first watched Doctor Who, and with mm-hmm. all these younger modern... With the exception of Eccleston. Eccleston um, they're all youngish and twee and just like super like... We're going on an adventure. They're like manic pixie dream doctors. Um, <laughs> and now I'm well over 30 and much more curmudgeonly. Uh, so I think that I would probably actually now vibe more with Peter Capaldi than I do with Matt Smith or um, the other one whose name I'm Tenet. immediately. Tenet. Tenet. David Tennant. Yep. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. And David Tennant, like everyone's like, oh, yeah, he's so twee. I'm like, yeah, but he's also in his 40s. During filming that, yeah, yeah, no, no, no. Uh, I looked it up. He's because I think he's like only a little bit older than me, so he would have been David Tennant. No, yes, David Tennant is my age. We were both born in 1971. Yeah, you might be thinking of Matt Smith, maybe. Yeah, David Tennant was born in April of 1971. Very well, yep. That's one of those things where I'm like, oh my god, I'm the same age as Matt, the doctor. Matt this Smith was born in 82. There we go. That's what mm-hmm. I'm thinking. Yeah. Oh, I just saw David Tennant in something oh. that I think I think went like really under the radar that mm. was starring uh, David Tennant. Uh, we can talk about that later if you want, or I can just dump it here. Sure, dump it. It go was called it. Dez, which tr- uh, was a, like, a miniseries, and it, it's actually... Uh, based on true events, like this, like British serial killer that I'd never heard of before, because uh, the guy's name is actually Dennis Nilsson, but he likes to go by Des, and that's why the 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 miniseries was called Des. And there must have been some sort of statute of limitations that opened up because there's this docu drama type miniseries. Mm. There's also two actual documentaries about the guy, and they all came out in 2021. Huh. Uh, but so David Tennant is playing this this middle-age-ish, you know, kind of quiet, nice guy who actually has killed, like, two dozen people very, very secretly in his... I have heard of... I haven't seen this. I've heard about... I think I've watched one of the documentaries. Uh, it's a pretty chilling performance. I Yeah. Because, I like, they wouldn't even known about it if, like, body parts hadn't started stopping up a drain like that's how they started to get it or something Mm -hmm. yeah they sort of like stumbled upon evidence and then like down the rabbit hole yeah yeah it's creepy um good lord manju i'm probably i'm sure he typed it in there on purpose but homicidal fire i'm 37 i'm not old yes you will you'll be stone dead in a moment (laughs) um anyway david Tennant. Does creepy really well? Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, it's like there was a while, like like Jen kind of had like, well, she probably still has a crush on David Tennant, and she saw that he was in Jessica Jones, and I was like, oh, yeah, that's not fun. 
you know, charming David Tennant. Like, no, that you is... may not want to watch him in Jessica Jones. And she's like, okay, fair enough. Especially if you have certain triggers. That also, yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, he's, I mean, he's fantastic in it. He's brilliant, but <laughs> yeah. Well, should we jump into our, our fives? Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Uh, who wants to, I don't know. You want to each one do our five all at once kind of thing? Each one of us? Um, I, sure. I think we could, we could round robin it and just say, start with one of your five and no particular right. order. Uh, well, I can start since I thrust this upon everyone. Um, my first one is actually barely made my top five. Why is there so much thrusting? <laughs> That's true. There's been a lot of thrusting. You said it. Denise said it. Mm-mm. But oh, mine what? is past tense thrusting. Thrusted. Mm. Old thrust. Yeah, that's better. Anyway. Sorry, Aaron. Please continue. Okay. I like how I'm going to try to be the reasonable <laughs> one. The adult. Um, anyway. Uh, the first one on my list that I it actually barely made my top five. Um, and that would be Resident Evil Vi- The Village. Uh, it came out oh, this year. Okay. Uh, it's gorgeous. Like, it's a beautiful, beautiful game. Um, easily, like, one of the least scary Resident Evils ever made. Hmm. Um, it's much more... Yeah, it, it's a direct sequel to Resident Evil 7, which is kind of a soft reboot of the franchise and all of this kind of stuff. And in that one, you play a guy who has, like, fucking no combat skills at all and the game really plays that way like it's hard to aim it's very resource limited and the village is like by now he's like oh no i'm a i'm I'm a fucking murder machine if i need to be um so some of like that fear was lost on it um but it's still it was still fun like it was it was gorgeous i really like the soundtrack um yeah, it was a fun kind of atmospheric game that I really enjoyed playing. Uh, it had some, it almost kind of had shades of like a Castlevania game because you had to do one level before you do the other. You couldn't just explore and backtrack. Like it very much told you, you're you're going to do this place first and then this place and then this place kind of thing. But it was still cool. And, you know, that nine foot tall, you know, vampire mama. I see why everyone kind of lost their mind over her. <laughs> Um, oh, Lady Dearmescu. Yeah, and you know what? You don't see her very often. She's actually the first like boss you encounter, and it's not hard. It's not a hard fight. Based um, on the number of cosplayers that I have seen do her, I, I presumed that she was the only character in the goddamn game. No, no, and she's <laughs> not I... even the most. Yeah, and she's not even the most scary one. The scariest one is the is the house with the woman who has all the dolls. Um. Nope. That one's not cool. That that level not cool. That's the only one that made me go, ooh. Because um, it involves a giant crawling worm baby that chases you through the whole house and goes, bah, bah. it's not cool. It's, it's fucked up. So anyway, uh, <laughs> Resident Evil uh, The Village uh, cracks my top five for sure. Okay. Nice. Yeah. Cable, you want to go next? Sure. Um, I will also go with a game, although I'm going to go analog board game. And uh, I'm going to share it with you two in the chat. I'm not logged in anywhere else to chat with folks. Ah. Um, 
That is uh, a new pandemic game came out um, called World of Warcraft Wrath of the Lich King. Ooh, when did this come out? It came out um, six months ago at Target and then last month or in November uh, for regular brick and mortar game stores. Okay. I'm really fucking tired of Target's exclusivity contracts with game companies. It's pissing me off. Largely because it's with game companies for board games that I actually want, which means I don't get them until six months after they've been released at Target. Right. I wonder how well they sell for them. I mean, they must sell well enough that they keep it up. They have been aggressively trying to corner the board game market. It's now a... um, It's a fight between them and Walmart and Amazon for board game sales Hmm. all the time. Wow. Um, And that is why it becomes very difficult for your friendly local game store to get a hold of some of this product because people sign contracts with... um, Target, Walmart, and Amazon, like, oh, yeah, it's fine. This is a great way to distribute. It's like, fuck you guys. Yeah. And then they don't understand why game stores are like, why don't you want to sell our product? It's like, because you sell it on Amazon for one third of what we can sell it for. Because you screw us over. Yeah, it's like, it's like, good luck, but also fuck off. Yeah. Um, But yeah, they, so uh, Wrath of Lich King uses characters familiar that you, you would recognize from world of warcraft mm-hmm. um it uses the basic mechanics of pandemic where you're traveling around the board you have to wipe out minion the lich king's minions in different uh, places on the board um and of course there's the the epidemics that come up and it spreads out more minions the right. trick is not only do you have to instead of trying to fight the disease you have to complete quests. And once you've completed the three main quests on the board, that's when you unlock the quest to destroy the Lich King. He just kind of travels around the board, negatively influencing the board against you until you can attack him directly. Um, One of the things that appeals to me about the game is, while it is multiple player, it's cooperative, and you can play with multiple people, it is also it also has a one player variant, so you can play this by yourself. Nice. Which uh, I am still a huge fan of because one of the hardest things to do is learn how to play a board game, teach other people how to play this board game while you're also learning it yourself. If you can sit down with a one player game and learn how to play the game and then go back, it makes it so much easier to teach people how to play the game because you can just do all of the setup. And get people playing really quickly, so that's cool. Yep, nice. That's that's my five. <laughs> awesome, Denise. Uh, well, since we have been, since we everyone else started with game type stuff, uh, it made me think of a game that I. It's not a 2021 game, but I started playing it in 2021, mm-hmm. uh, and it definitely kept. Uh, kept my attention for a good long time. Uh, it's this game called Spiritfarer, which I believe is described as a uh, a cozy maintenance game about death. Ooh. Um, but it's not like it's not like Goth Kid, you know, like about death. It's it's like very like warm and a wholesome uh, death centric game. So it's one of those games where again maintenance, and you're like. 
building your space and upgrading spaces and like you're making food and you're like building or working towards resources, but it's in the form in the forms of like farming and making like linens with your cotton or the, the wool that you, you know, cut from your sheep. And then you've got like a, a windmill, which, you know, grinds your corn and all kinds of weird stuff like that. And so you're, and all of this takes place on a boat and you're the captain of this boat and everyone on your ship is someone who is basically making demands of your time. Um, and then when you fulfill requests for them, they get happier and happier. But once they are, once they've achieved a certain level of joy, they are now ready to move on. So this ship is almost like a limbo space for them. Uh, hmm until you've helped them be ready to 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 disperse into the atmosphere uh and it's it's very it's very beautiful and um like artistically like the 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 aesthetics are really great and like any maintenance game you're just like compelled to just like keep grinding and keep making or building or harvesting um, and then you just like, you get to be all in your feelings about death because your characters eventually are like, well, I'm ready to move on now. <laughs> yeah. I heard it was about like having to say goodbye and stuff was one of its. Yes. The, the, the moving on part of the, of the, the process is very dialogue heavy. And by dialogue, I mean like your character, like the characters are monologuing to you about, you know, accepting and moving on and letting go right yeah i'm gonna check that out that sounds really nice that sounds yeah like it's a, a it's a switch game and it's, it's quite good i really I, i've spent a lot of time on it yeah i'm definitely gonna check it out um also just quick side note if you want another game that will kind of hit you in the feels like that it's pretty old now but i think it's on switch now called um uh brothers a tale of two sons um, you, you play as brothers and, you know, the, the plot has to do with, you know, helping someone and, and all that stuff, but the game is designed to where, um, like the brothers work together in tandem on the game. So like hmm. if you're carrying a log, they're both carrying a log and, um, you get really attached to the brothers and then spoilers, one of them dies and it can't be prevented. Oh. You have to keep playing the game, but it reminds you that you're now alone because everything you used to do with two people, you still have to do. But now, like, you're using two controllers because your brother's gone. So, like, everything is harder now because it's not it's because it's just you're on your own now. The game reminds like you're on your own now. So, like, moving that log with two people is now twice as hard because you have to go back and forth. I'm gonna move it this far with this side, and then I'm gonna pick it up over here and move it again. It's uh, it's quite the emotional gut punch. It's a really well made game, but damn, I I don't know if that's a game that is gonna be hard to do in our current yeah the reality, game the game or if like it's the perfect ago. game to play in this reality. Yeah. Uh, I discovered it through through Mark Bernard, and he talked about it on Fat Man on Batman about six mm. months ago about how there he can count on one hand games that move him to tears, and he says this was the one that got me the most. Hmm. So I was like, well, wow. a game that makes you cry, I got to go find that. <laughs> and what's it called again? 
uh, Brothers. Um, <laughs> Brothers, A Tale of Two Sons. And it is on the Switch now. Came out in 2019 on the Switch. Cool. Yeah. Good on the wish list. All right. Yeah. Uh, well, I can jump into my number four. Really quick. Number four. Um, you know, kind of sticking to games. My number four, and anyone who knows me, this will not be a shock at all, will be the uh, Beetle and Grimm's release of Von Richten's Guide to Ravenloft. Um, that I'm shocked. Shocked. I know. Shocked, right? But um, it was just so pretty. And, and, you know, that release in general, the Von Richten's Guide to Ravenloft in general, because, like, I have been with Ravenloft since the very first you know, set came out. I own the original adventure. So like I have watched this setting evolve and evolve and evolve. And what they've done with it now has created so many more interesting options for storytelling um, that are much more personal, not just like, oh, I'm going to make something spooky. Like it really gives you the room and assistance to create some more personal stories and at least how you drive it home. And maybe part of it is because I am older now and that's how I write games now. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. And then the Beetle and Grime version is just gorgeous. Like it comes with pipe, pro- you know, props and jewelry and it's really well done. And you get like a, every single piece of art that was in the book, you get reprinted as nice cards in the, in the box set. It's just, it's just gorgeous. I love it. Um, that's probably my favorite like RPG supplement that dropped this year. So yeah, that's that's my fourth one, and there's not really any order to this. Sure, that, that's why I said <laughs> your your top five in any order. Order, doesn't yeah, matter. yeah, and the points don't count. Correct. <laughs> uh, I'm going to follow up with my number four being a a Lego set. Be surprised. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and that is going with a Lego set that I actually purchased this year rather or in twenty twenty one rather than the one that's my favorite that I haven't purchased yet. And that is the uh, the one that I purchased is the Spring Lantern Festival. This um, is pretty. That looks really cool. A, it is a classical Chinese garden with yeah. a pagoda in it. It is one and a half ba- base plates wide. Ooh. It fits great. It's designed to fit in with the the creator modular um, the buildings that they they do. You know, those really well crafted buildings. Um, yeah, like I, I have missed out on a lot of the the Lunar New Year sets over the years because I'm like, I, they always come out and I'm like, these are gorgeous, these are gorgeous. I but I never get them. And, and when this one came up, uh, they announced it last year. Or in 2020 for 2021, I'm like, I'm buying that thing. I'm 100% buying it. And I did. Yeah. And the minifigs are cool too. They're gorgeous. They, they're like all over my Lego city. That, that's what's that, my pointing. All I, of this stuff over here. Like right at the end here is where the, the, the garden is. Mm-hmm. It also has become the location for my Shang-Chi minifigures. I was going to ask, like, these colors are so similar. Have you done your Shang Chi mashup with this set yet? Oh yeah, no. It's <laughs> like the the guardian is up in there in the gar- yeah. in the garden, and then I've got uh, Shang versus Wenwu, or Shang Chi versus Wenwu, and um, Xiaoling versus Death Dealer. So nice. 
Very but cool. Yeah, but like my favorite set that came out in 2021 though is the Daily Bugle, which I will be purchasing sometime this year. I was saying, did you get it? Cool. I remember you showing it to us. Yeah, it's a it's a three hundred dollar set. Woo! That I'm like, it, yep, I should be able to get that by quarter two. Yeah, you can just pull it off. Yep. Yeah, that is a really awesome set for sure. Um, I I think the things that that are in that set that surprised me the most about Lego, it's like they did it. They they made a Punisher minifigure. <laughs> <laughs> And yeah. a Blade minifigure. Blade's awesome. Mm-hmm. Blade, yeah. Daredevil, and and uh, uh, Punisher are the, the minifigs that come with it that I'm like, huh, those were not the minifigs that I w- was expecting in this set <laughs> at all. Like everyone else, I'm like, yeah, Black Cat, that totally makes sense. And all of the different Spider-Verse people. Like right. Miles is in it, uh, Gwen is in it, you've got Carnage, you've got Venom. Um, but then, and you know, Mysterio and, and Robbie Robertson and J. Jonah Jameson, but Punisher. Okay. Yeah, I mean, the okay. Daily Beast do a story about him. You know. <laughs> That's true. So. Um, I think that you know, the thing that's going to happen when I get that is it's going to end up being taller than my uh, Avengers Tower, and I'll have to figure out how to make that a little bigger. <laughs> I thought you had two Avengers towers and you were going to combine them. I did, and I and I did. Oh, and it's I, still bigger. Oh yeah, like oh, the wow. the Daily Bugle. It's four stories, but those stories are double sized, so it will stand at least one floor taller than the Avengers Tower as I have it right now. Wow, God, that thing is bonkers. It's yeah. so cool. But yeah, that's that's, that's oh, my forgot. number four. It's also got his amazing friends. It's got Firestar. Yep, no Iceman. No Iceman. <laughs> so far, the only mutants that they have... Well, not only mutants. The only X people that they have produced are Wolverine, Cyclops, Magneto, uh, Storm, and Deadpool. Huh. That's interesting. Yeah, there was a set with uh, Wolverine and Deadpool versus Magneto, and there was a helicopter for reasons I don't know. <laughs> huh. And then the other X-Men set was Cyclops and Storm in the Blackbird with a different version of Wolverine versus a Sentinel. It's the only time they've done right. any X characters. And then everything else has been MCU, almost MCU specific. Yeah. Hmm. Well, that's cool. Mm-hmm. Being number four. Number four. I'm going to switch over to books. Because um, books are fresh in my mind because I, mm-hmm. I like to do a full recap of what I read uh, over the past year. And on my list of like top reads um, was the the new Max Brooks uh, that came. I think it also came out in like late 2020. Mm-hmm. Um but I didn't catch wind of it until 2021. Uh, Devolution. Just like World War... I, I know I talked about this before, so I'll keep it brief. But just like World War Z, it is written and thus audio performed as though it were a collection of interviews and investigative mm-hmm. journalists collecting information about what happened. And so there will be excerpts from different news clippings as well as relatable 
just other content that like can relate to the the main story, such as um, for devolution, uh, the guy who I don't remember now if this was a real dude or not, but this guy who was like, oh, "I'm the grizzly man, and I've like I've gained the bear's trust, and I'm going to go out and live with them," and then he died by being oh, yeah. mauled by a bear. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the Werner mm-hmm. Herzog movie mm-hmm. documentary. There, yep. thank you, grizzly man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, they reference stuff about him and, like, quotes from that guy, you know, like, immediately before being killed by a bear. Um, because there were ways in which it related to the the events of this book. And um, let me – yeah, it, it, it the, the full title is A Devolution, A First-Hand Account of the Rainier Sasquatch Massacre. So full on, it is a a Sasquatch horror story told as though it were a a real account of terrible things that happened. An entire new colony that's trying, like, like imagine like the richest, bougiest assholes out there trying Mm -hmm. to live off grid. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's this. It's this community of people who all have enough money to be doing this, like building this little enclave with homes that are like self-sustaining and like, but they rely on like Amazon airdrops for, Mm. for food and necessary supplies because it's so remote that it's like really hard to just drive back and forth. Uh, And this is like out in the woods outside Seattle. Uh, Mm. And so first there is a, um, is it an earthquake or a storm? Uh, And that, so they, there's no access there. Um, it was. It's a big old earthquake, and that's why um, the, the Sasquatches uh, come out of their seclusion and yeah. find this community of <laughs> modern-day hippies, and uh, and then things get bad. Things get real, real bad, y'all. <laughs> uh, and yeah. the, the audiobook performance, just like World War Z, is really, really great. It's got Nathan Fillion. It's got Judy Greer. It's got Kate Mulgrew. He does. They and, get the best cast for those. Yeah, yeah. That's that's like one of like the the, the things that like real. I mean, they're good stories anyway. His writing, but those those good casts with you know notable voices really help put it over the edge. Nice. I'm definitely gonna but, check that out. Yeah. You said Nathan Fillion, and now I have a specific song stuck in my head. <laughs> <laughs> that that happens. Classic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> nice. Cool. Yeah. Woo. Well, I can jump into my number three here. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, mine was season two of Lower Decks. <laughs> um, that one, like season one, like most first seasons, takes a couple episodes to ramp up. And season two just, you know, hit it out at maximum warp and then didn't slow down. It just, it just went. I see what you, know. you did there. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I I loved it. Uh, the character, you know, like the character evolutions were great. The development, the stories were great, and it still managed to pull off like, you know, your your Trek ideals that the best Trek episodes, you know, hit home on. Um, in a weird way, they might do it better sometimes because they only got a tight thirty minutes to pull it off. You know, they can't meander in the story a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
but um, yeah, I loved it. I thought it was great. Made me laugh. Um, hitting the feels a couple of times. Just, yeah, I thought Laura Dex was fantastic. I, I agree with all of those points. Like I, I, that season finale had me gripping the couch. I was just nervous the entire time. I'm like, oh my God, oh my God, they're all going to die. It's like, yeah. I, I, I don't think that's going to happen, but it actually feels like someone's going to die this episode. Right. Yeah. I mean, they've made it seem like it's not a typical animated series. Like for a while, you started thinking most animated shows that everyone's kind of safe. But I was like, I don't know if that's going to be true on Lower Decks necessarily. And yeah. They killed Shax in the first season. <laughs> like, yes, they brought him back, but I we still don't know how or why. And it's unnerving. It's apparently a very scary to come back. <laughs> yeah. <Ugh>. Yeah. <laughs> I thought about putting that on my list as well, but I went, mm, mm, no. Right. I, I'm going to, I'm going to. I think Aaron's probably going to do that or Denise is going to do that because right. man, it was so good. It was, it was very so good, good for sure. No, I misunderstood the assignment and I only did stuff that was new in 2021 that I consumed. Hmm. I don't know why I overthink these. I don't know. Well, have Lord you met season you? Two, Lord X season two was new. Rude. But the show itself is not new. No, so season got, two oh. was new in 2021. Yeah. Yes, yes. I, I understand oh. that now. I just, you know, again, I did. I misunderstood the assignment. Oh, that's all right. No big deal. Yeah. Um, Cable, an, what do you got? It's an open book quiz anyway. Um, I'm also going to switch to TV. Am I going to switch to TV? No, I'm not. I'm going to switch to comics to TV in a minute. Mm. Um continually the my favorite comic series it's been out for a couple of years now but it's it's still still really good and it's important because i think it's it's also in development for television that is something is killing children by james tinney and the fourth and werther del edera you know that was one of the ones where i bought the first issue and loved it and then I just stopped. Like I think, and then I just, I think, I think that's about when the pandemic hit too. Yeah, it. it so I yeah. quit going to stores. It is. Did we review the first issue of this? Because I, I, I know this title, but I know I haven't read it. I feel like we did. We did. We were, okay. and I've been reading it since. Yeah, that it means is. we would have reviewed it when we were in studio together. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Um. It's this how well written it is is one of the reasons why I also jumped on board to DC versus Vampires because it's also mm-hmm. co-written by James Tinney and the Fourth. Oh, nice! Uh, and Matthew Rosenberg, who did um, oh shoot, it was a crime book. Um. Four kids enter a bank, I think. Oh, yeah, for Black Mask. Four four kids walk into a bank. Four kids walk into a bank. Yeah. So, like, if you're not reading DC, like, that's my sidebar. Also read DC versus Vampires because it's exactly what it says on the tin. It's DC characters versus fucking vampires. It's hilarious and terrifying. Nice. Um, Without giving stuff away... One of my favorite scenes in issue two 
that has been shared widely across the internet because it is incredibly memeable is Batman gathering the entire bat family in the middle of the day in the sunroom at the manor to have tea. So he can explain to them they're about to go to war with vampires. (laughs) And of course, all of the tea is made with holy water. I think I saw that meme out there. I've seen like that. I was like, what's that from? All right. It's DC versus vampires. It's two issues in it is well worth it. Um, Like it, the, and uh, it, I should say it's by, James Tenney the fourth, Matthew Rosenberg, and Otto Schmidt. Um, All right, I'm going to check it out. It is so good. Anyway, um, but back to something is killing the children. Something the killing is children keeps getting like that. They've still not completed everything that's going on in Archer Peak, which is where the story starts where we meet Erica Slaughter and she comes to town and she's clearly there to kill whatever monster is there. Right. The only problem is, is the monster that they think they have is not what they, they're actually fighting and it just keeps getting worse. (laughs) Nice. It's like, it's already horrible and it just keeps getting worse. And they have since, moved to a flashback story. So now we are encountering how Erica Slaughter ended up at the house of Slaughter in the first place to become a monster hunter. And it's equally horrific. (laughs) And it, it yeah, it still manages to maintain this. How did this, it's like, Oh my God, how does this character survive? Wait, I'm reading her in real time. Like I already know that she survives her initiation but it's still incredibly stressful. Right. (laughs) And just goes, it's yeah, it is a dark book. And if your life is kind of dark at present because of the pandemic, you might want to wait this one out. But if dark and monsters are your thing, this feels like a more spiritual successor to the legacy of Buffy, the vampire slayer than any of the Buffy of the Vampire Slayer comics. Nice. And I I can't wait to see who they cast as um, Erica Slaughter. Merrick actually fan-casted it the other day, and now I can't remember who it was. But it was it was perfect. Nice. I'm definitely going to catch up. <laughs> oh, no, I do remember. It was Anna Taylor-Joy. Yes! She's, I'll, I'll watch anything with her. I, if she were to play Erica Slaughter, she would. It would be perfect and terrifying. Yeah. Thank you um, for reminding me of this, reminding us of this title because I do remember enjoying that first issue, um, and and you're really selling it as, as uh, a thing that I would enjoy. So also pick it up and trade without feeling any guilt. I know I'm a big fan of pick up your monthlies. This has been out for two years. It is one of the most successful books that. Uh, that boom has been publishing, I think second only to berserker, which is, you know, has, um, Keanu Reeves attached to it, which is why that's as successful as it is. I've heard it's not bad. It's also a good book, but, um, Um, it has star power. Forgot really quick. Going back to the DC versus vampire. Now I remember where I saw one of the pages from it. When Batman is requesting all the, one of the bat family grab a cross and hold it because he's (laughs) testing them all. And the last panel is them all looking at Damien and he was like, you have to all quit acting surprised when I pass these tests. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, it I'm is. It is. It is equally hilarious to see them tackle this. They're all like, really? Vampires? It's like, right. yeah, I know. It's dumb, but we have to fight vampires. Nice. And then lean, take a hard right into, oh, this is a horror book. This yeah. is a dark horror book. And it's essentially an else world, so everything's on the table. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. Uh, what do you have next, Bean? What do I have next? This is a good place to jump in and talk about our sponsors. Uh, first up, our longest sponsor and continuing through 2022 and beyond is, of course, Guardian Games. Check them out at 345 Southeast Taylor Street in Portland, Oregon. Um, you know, we're not going a lot of places right now for obvious reasons, but if you do kind of need to get out of the house a little bit and give yourself a distraction, Guardian Games has a nice selection of what they call bite-sized games. Like, they're not, you know, they're not like Gloomhaven that require basically, like, its own tractor trailer you know, to carry the game with you. These are literally, like, pocket bag size games you can take anywhere. They're quick setup. They're fun. They're easy. Uh, I own a couple myself. Uh, Jen and I own a game called uh, Sushi Go, which is really great. Literally fits in your pocket. Uh, we have Forbidden Island. There's a lot of really fun small games you can bring with you or you know maybe you have like a you know a porch and that's kind of how you see your friends right now Uh, i know in our place we have a small collection of those kinds of games and we keep them locked up in a chest on our porch and you know the rare times people hang out that's uh, that's what we do like you know we sit at the table outside with plenty of air and we crack open the game chest and these are all small games we got at guardian games so you know, if you can't be doing role-playing games right now or you don't really have the energy or even the amount of people to play those larger, more in-depth board games or, heck, mini-games or whatever, these pocket-sized games are a really great option. And they have them at Guardian Games. So when you're down there checking that stuff out, um, don't forget to thank them for being such a long and great sponsor of Geek in a City Radio. Just like Bridge City Comics, 3725 North Mississippi Avenue, um, a couple comics made our list this year. Um, in fact, you'll hear one that Cable recommended. A couple that I actually immediately went out today and picked up. So, spoilers, it's the DC versus Vampires. I uh, avoided that title initially because I was kind of burned out on that kind of just kind of sounds dumb crossover stuff. But the series is ridiculous in kind of the most fun ways. So, uh, anyway... That's to say is that get yourself to Bridge City Comics, 3725 North Mississippi Avenue in Portland, Oregon. And good news, especially for me, (laughs) um, Season of the Bruja can now be ordered at any of your local game stores. So go to Bridge City Comics and say you would like to reserve issue one. In fact, you would love to reserve the entire series. And you can do that at Bridge City Comics, 3725 North Mississippi Avenue in Portland, Oregon. Bridge City Comics. Let's uh, let's bridge the gap here. I will Ooh. pick this show here that is based on a comic book, mm-hmm. and that was uh, the new release on Netflix for Sweet Tooth. Oh, okay. Full disclosure: I never read the comic, but I do fully intend to do so because I was the very first episode almost made me cry, hmm. and it is. It, it like it just goes from there. It the the story itself is pretty compelling. I know that 
You know what's weird is how many shows have come out in the last two years, uh, shows and movies, uh, that have to do with uh, a global sickness that kills off a lot of people. And, <laughs> you know, everyone who's left trying to make do in in the new world order. Mm-hmm. Um because I know that, like, with why the last man, that was like a lot of the argument for why it wasn't going to, why it wasn't going to, or did not succeed. It's like, oh, no one wants to watch that. I'm like, well, you could say that, but there's a bunch of other stuff that is very successfully doing the same thing in terms of concept. Sure. Um, but uh, like the acting is really great. Uh, most of the actors on that show are are really enjoyable. I've enjoyed them in other things. Um, even what's his face, um, MacGruber. <laughs> I usually think he's kind of a ding dong. Oh, Will Forte. Yes, thank you. Will Forte. Um, I haven't watched any of his shows, but I think, like, I appreciate his take on comedy enough that I would probably enjoy them. You know, it's also funny is I've never actually seen MacGruber, but (laughs) if someone references MacGruber, I'll say, oh, Will Forte. I've never watched any MacGruber. Yep. So I have no idea if it's any funny. I've seen parts of it uh, when it was happening in my living room, and yeah. I am like, this is so fucking dumb. And then I'm laughing, <laughs> and I'm like, oh, damn it, stupid thing All made right. me laugh. Uh, but also actors like Nonzo Anozi, who has been in Game of Thrones. He was also in the short-lived Dracula series on NBC. Um, the gal who plays Bear, Stephanie Owen. Uh, I believe her name is. Uh, she's she's really good. I can't think of what else she's been in, but like every time I see her face, I'm like, yes, here I am, I'm oh, ready nice. for this. Well, and then also just the the little kid who plays Gus, the main character, is just so fucking adorable. It makes me mad. Um, <laughs> and and the, the the story as a whole is just like very like heartbreaking and devastating, which as you know is 100 percent my jam. That's your thing. Mm-hmm. Nice. Cool. I am going to revisit Sweet Tooth. And I think um, a second season is confirmed, so. I think so. I read the entire graphic novel, like the entire uh, comic series, and I haven't started the Netflix version, but I probably should for sure, so. Um, nice. Yeah. Uh, so back to me. Mm-hmm. Yes, it is. Uh, mine, Ooh. mine's a little different. I've actually brought uh, these group of performers up before. Um, it's a little bit of backstory. So, like through twenty 2020 twenty and twenty twenty one, I tried, and Denise knows this. I tried to run various like online RPG sessions, and they were fun. But I was like burning out a lot. I think I was just losing running games with you know online like that was not working for me and i started to actually think like am i just not good at like writing rpgs and dming or gming anymore and like i got in this really weird very much first world problem like funk um and then i ran across the black dice society <clears throat> uh they they run the official ravenloft game shocking again mm-hmm. um and I really just went all in. Like I've never watched, I've never watched um, Critical Role, Critical, Critical Hit, Role. Yep. I've never watched any of them. I've seen here and there, but I've never been someone who's like, oh, it's whatever. It's Wednesday night. I need to watch, you know, stream and watch the newest one with everybody. I'm glad it's out there. I, it's just never held an interest. But something about the way B. Dave Walters and that crew run Black Dice Society just hooked me. Um, 
started following their Patreon, back their Patreon, and he would do these really good, and he keeps doing these really good, like, Ask a DM stuff. And his approach to storytelling and their entire collective approach to storytelling, like, kind of helped me get my groove back to where I am enjoying running and playing RPGs, like, again, much to Denise's dismay, because now I'm just torturing the hell out of them all. <laughs> you know, just waking up and choosing violence every day with their group. Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, it's weird. I mean, maybe it's not weird for people anymore, you know, the way a lot of games are streaming, but it, personally, it's weird for me to think that online, watching people play D&D online would have not only entertainment value to me, but like a creative value to me. So that's why they, they, they kind of jumped into my top five. That's reasonable. Yeah. yeah. But the problem isn't that you are constantly trying to kill us. That is, in fact, your job. It's that every time you're like, man, I thought you guys were just going to go through the first door and that was going to be super chill and fun. But no, you guys end up going through that door. Now I have to rewrite the whole next session to make it a fucking slaughterhouse for you. Well, every time, every time this... I'm like, no, it wasn't. It was never going to be fun and cute and easy. Aaron, shut up. Well, this one was going to be easier for me because I had literally written it all. Oh, and then instead of sneaking, and, yeah, I... instead of sneaking in, you guys decide to create this entire persona, and you know, actually have a one-to-one meeting with the Dark Lord of Falkovni. And I'm like, well, I guess they're part of the siege of the city now, and not just trying to survive the night in a giant bar, <laughs> like the miniatures I bought from Cable. Oh no! I don't get to use any of those anymore because. It's no longer holding out at the Winchester. It's the Siege of Lakar. Oh, you bastards. Yeah. I don't know. I'm um, just a little baby. Sidebar. Yes. Clone High is a television show. It has the same animated uh, animation house as Total Drama Island, if I remember correctly. Uh, Clone High was produced by MTV. It's worth watching. Oh, nice. It so sounds, yes, yes, that is real. It sounds totally stupid, but also probably fucking hilarious. It is hilarious. <laughs> is it also kind of stupid? Yes. Um, it's that weird uh, early 2000s animated where it's like... Yeah, sure. oh, yeah, it looks like the Fairly Odd Parents. Oh, Lord and Miller. Yeah, okay, that makes sense. Oh, okay. Um, they do good stuff. Lord, Lord and Miller. They do the Lego movies. Yep. Oh, and they also they were... did uh, Cloudy with the Chance of Meatballs. Yeah. yeah. They were going to do Solo, but got fired halfway through. Yep. Um, my th- number two is going to be no surprise to anyone who listens to this show, and that's going to be Shang-Chi and Legend of the Ten Rings. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I don't feel like I need to go into extreme detail on this. It's just... <laughs> <laughs> it was everything I needed it to be and then some and I yeah like it it, it passed the rep sweats test it uh, I I'm looking forward to more of it and I'm looking more not just for Asian and Asian American representation in, in superhero movies and media in general but I am also looking into it as like good now now let's uh let's keep let's keep diversifying. Let's I I want to see more Mexican and Mexican American um, <laughs> representation. Hey. Um, 
I, I, I want to see more like Afghan and Afghan American representation. I like get everyone out there. Get it. Just like diversify your shows, diversify your comics, diversify your books, diversify everything. Oh, like, Oh. Sorry, I don't want to cut you off. I want no, you to finish. the redhead. Oh, so, uh, relatedly, did anybody watch uh, Love Hard? No. I don't know what that is. I'd actually... it's, it's a Christmas romance movie, but the lead oh, hell no. guy is uh, Jimmy O. Yang. Yes. I know what movie you're talking about. Oh, basically. that's like where he catfishes her kind of, and then is it that one? Yes. Yes, yeah. which I did not realize was the premise. Shocking. Uh, I, we were looking for stuff to watch at my at my in laws, um, and you know it was Christmas Day. I'm like, Christmas movie, I guess. <laughs> um, I was cur- I was dead curious to to see like what you know what the to do was about because people were really excited that a a typical you know like someone who is not considered like traditionally attractive and is also. Uh, an underrepresented minority race is the lead and the male lead in a romantic comedy. Right. In terms of like the movie as a whole, it's clean cut Christmas rom-com. <laughs> it yeah. actually had very little to do with the fact that he was Asian. And I'm like, I don't know if that's better or worse or, or what, uh, but Generally speaking, if you like Christmas rom-coms, check it out. Is that a thing that people actually like? Is that I, a thing it that has people to be do? true because yeah. there are five million. And every Christmas, there are five million more. I personally know a few people that even though they know they are not good movies, it has just become their tradition is that they start seeking out every single movie about, you know, the powerhouse woman CEO that is forced to go home to visit her family because whatever. And she meets a dude who runs the tree farm and he completely changes her perspective. Sure. By the way, he could never be divorced. He either has to be perpetually single or a widower. That's how these work. Hmm. The only way he's allowed to be divorced is if the ex is completely bonkers and is actively fighting him. But that's the rule. And you can flip the genders too. It doesn't matter. Like that, you know. But it is you. It is usually like like a power, powerful woman from the city meets uh, a folksy, you know, warm-hearted but gruff country boy, and they fall in love. Over they hate each other at first. I I want to say that the last time I actually watched one of those on purpose was when Love Actually came out, (laughs) and have never really revisited that arena since. I'm not crazy about that movie. It's got some fun, funny parts to it, you know, but it, it, the cast, the cast is good. The cast is great. And yeah. so that um, like compels you to, to watch it, but I don't I think know the, that it's. The older I get, the more I um, can relate to and empathize with um, the storyline of um, Emma Thompson and, um, the late great Alan Rickman, right? Yeah, I think when that movie came out, I was supposed to relate more to probably the younger kids, but now it's like, oh no, nope, 
Nope. <laughs> well, I think I think the thing is that uh, Emma Thompson and Alan Rickman's uh, that their couple characters mm-hmm. are the most real and probably most relatable out of mm-hmm. any of the other ensemble cast. I mean, no, no one here is the prime minister. Um, no one here is. Like, like, people always like, people always get really into or are very excited about the uh the romance with the the best friend and and the best friend's wife oh i hated that with, one. The, with the postcards <laughs> they all treat it like it's like hated a that huge one. romantic gesture i'm like no that's a bunch of people who don't have the emotional maturity to realize that like all three of you are in an unhappy triangle yep <laughs> I think the second most realistic couple in that movie are the two actors that are work filming the porn and that then go on a date because they haven't actually met each other. Right. I forget about them. I always yep. forget about that part. Yeah, it's Martin Freeman. Yeah. <laughs> I forget the actress, but Martin Freeman is the actor. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's right. Uh-huh. Martin Freeman, the porn star. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's a weird I mean, thing to say out loud. And... He was much younger then. Yes. Moving on. Uh, is it back to me? I think so. I think we're my. We're we're down to the last. The the yeah, and this. No, wait, I, you guys just did your number two, right? Yeah. I oh, it's you. I'm sorry. Right. Yeah. I thought you were. Oh, you you weren't you bringing just up did... that. No, because right. you did Shang Chi. Sorry, no, no, that was like, that doesn't count. That is not my favorite. Oh, one that was okay. That's right. So what no, is your number two? No, not that. Um, oh my god, Norm! <laughs> Damn it, Norm! <laughs> uh, I'm not going to read that out loud. You guys have to go to our Twitch channel and see the chat. In fact, there's an incentive for you. We're not going to read it out loud. God damn it. <laughs> It's funnier the more you read it. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, fine. Let me let me think. Uh, what do I have left here on this list of too many things? God, Love Actually is nearly twenty years old. That sounds, that sounds right. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. Now I'm you really have to start watching us live and on Twitch. <laughs> um, yeah. Okay, I'll do a TV show. Reservation Dogs. Mm. Oh shit! Why did not? Okay, go. Ah! Uh, again, um, wonderful, like deeply sad, heartbreaking, like underpinning to the whole first season. Mm-hmm. Even though ostensibly it's it's a comedy, it's just a, it's like a, it's almost just a kids comedy. But there's there's a lot of adult humor in it. There is a lot of like really great uh, cultural stuff. If you're not really familiar with you know like what reservation life is like. Um, well, not saying that I am. I'm just like, oh, that was very, you know, insightful in some mm-hmm. ways. Um, and also, uh, I got my sister watching it over the Christmas break, and she she's already obsessed with greasy, greasy fry bread. Greasy, greasy fry bread. Greasy fry bread. You got her saying shit ass, much to your chagrin. Um, if she's saying it, I don't know about it yet. We went over a lot of new media when I was visiting. I have like nice. seven new shows to watch. Um, uh, so we only spent a little bit of time on any given thing. Right. Oh, I love that they want to bring that guy in for their finance to raise money for their diabetes foundation for the reservation. The greasy. <laughs> <laughs> 
and that they shot that whole video, folks. You can find it on YouTube. Like they shot the whole greasy fry bread video. Oh, I don't. I did not know that. Yep. Yeah, it's on the YouTube's like the official page. Yeah. Ah, can I drop Resident Evil and just yeah? I'm gonna throw Reservation Dogs on mine. <laughs> Why did okay. that just sure. go no, right wait, out? You my... already did it. Nope. Okay, what's your what's your last one then? So my last one, um, and this isn't to say that I didn't love like stuff like you know Shang Chi and stuff. It was great, but I, I'm trying to think about things that like really fucking impacted me that I didn't expect. And the one that came out of left field for me that I went in thinking it was going to be one thing and it was definitely not was Pig, mm. the Nicolas Cage mm-hmm. movie. Um, that movie stuck with me for weeks. After watching it, um, like I said, the trailers show it as like a weird Nick Cage version of like John Wick, but with a pig, because they, you know, his pig is stolen in the trailer, and that happens in the movie, like in the first like ten minutes or something. That is so not it, like at all. It's just this beautiful filmed thesis on living with and processing grief. Um, and the steps you will go through to like find some healing. Um, it's fucking amazing. It might be one of Cage's like best performances that he's ever, ever done. Um, the movie is beautifully shot. Yeah. It's also like, you know, if you're into like cuisine and fine food, it's also a slight love letter to that too. Like, you know, a scene of someone cooking is shot with just as much tenderness as like, you know, watching Cage's one of his emotional breakdowns. Like everything is taken very seriously. Um, yeah, I'm. It's even one I'm probably going to own. Like it's not one I'll watch a lot because there are times that it's just emotionally fucking devastating. Um, but it was beautiful. Like that film has stuck with me, and it's going to stick around for a long time. I still need to watch that one. That's on my list of Cage movies to catch up on. Yeah, it's it's beautiful. Um, yeah. Like I have definitely moved hard into the camp of they don't Cage does not get the credit that he deserves because everyone goes into every Nicolas Cage movie thinking it's a Nick Cage movie. Right. Along the lines of, they want face off, they want gone in sixty seconds. They you know they want campy cage. And then you watch things like Pig or mm-hmm. in my opinion, Mandy. Oh my god. Mandy, Mandy is... or The Color of Outer Space. Mm-hmm. It... I actually got that for Christmas, and I can't wait to watch that. Ooh, so uh, as yeah. someone as by since you say you uh, you did Cronenberg stuff, mm-hmm. boy, are you gonna like this movie? They're all good. Yeah. <laughs> um, good one. Yeah, it, like Cage is Cage is an actor who understands his craft. He's mm-hmm. also self aware enough to understand how he's perceived in the public eye. So he knows when to do Nick cage, the character, and he's doing something for himself where he's actually getting to act and be. So I think I'm looking forward to pig. uh, uh, A perception that I have slowly started to formulate uh, what with like some of like his really impactful recent works. Not that I have seen pig, but I do intend to um, Mm -hmm. is that it seems like maybe like, when Nicolas Cage was like peaking as an actor, like when he got like really famous and like built up this sort of like persona or this persona was 
thrust upon him. Um, he, I, I would venture to say that he was actually being underutilized mm-hmm. by the directors that he was working with. Mm-hmm. That was largely the early, early to mid nineties. Mm-hmm. That was Face Off. That was The Rock. That was yeah. um, right. iconic roles yeah. to like you know like some like pretty legendary movies. Um, but but they are also mediocre movies that are all flash and some substance. Yeah. Right. Which makes it interesting that they're so, um, they're so appreciated even now. Right. Mm -hmm. My big cage turn, I think was uh, bad Lieutenant port of call new Orleans. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Have you seen that? Sounds like a bad movie. No, but we've talked about it many times before. It's a bad movie. It's a bad title because, um, uh, Werner Herzog wanted to tell this really mean, nasty, you know, detective story about the cop who is straight up the villain, and that's Nicolas Cage. And it was just going to be called, I think, just Port of Call, or just going to be called like New Orleans or something like that. But the studio had bought the rights to Bad Lieutenant, this terrifying Harvey Cartel, Harvey Keitel movie, mm-hmm. and like they essentially wanted him to do a remake, but you don't tell Werner Herzog what to do. So he just slapped the title Bad Lieutenant and then added the title he wanted, and that's the movie. It's it's pretty great. Uh, Cage is unhinged, but it's an intentional choice of how to play this character. Sure. Who's just straight up addicted to, like, pain pills and morphine and every drug he busts people for. You know? Mm. It's good. Yep. That's a good number one. Thanks. Yeah. Uh, oh, that was your number one. Yeah, Pig is my number one, yeah. I'm going to go with a number one that also came out of left field for me because I am barely familiar, or I'm barely aware of the franchise or, or the original property and have never played it. Um, only know one character from it because of cosplayers. Ah, I know you. <laughs> but I completed the season, this first season of the show this weekend, and that is Arcane League of Legends. Um, for a property I know nothing about, I am seriously emotionally invested in the characters of this show. Um, it made me laugh. It made me cry. I yelled at the TV. It was that level of like, what, what am I watching? This is this was supposed to be something that I'm like, yeah, this will be good to put on in the background. It's nice animation. It's gorgeous animation. I care about all of the characters. Um, this season one cliffhanger is one of the biggest gut punches I have seen in TV in a while. Mm-hmm. Um, on par with the way that season two of Lower Decks ended and gut punched you. <laughs> wow, I have to re- I have to go back. I have to finish it. I started it and then couldn't. Not that I didn't like it, I just couldn't get around to it yet. Um, make a point to do it. It's like yeah. I, I watched them in like I tried to do it and like I was just going to watch one episode and I'm like, now nah, watch two and oh uh, well, fuck it, I'll just watch it all. Um, <laughs> I, I had to break it up as much as I could because it's like, nope, these, these are starting to get a little too heavy. Mm. Um, one of the 
here's the strength of this the the story and the plot it's like yeah i've i've seen this i've read this it uses a lot of tropes and a lot of familiar storylines as does everything like there's only so many stories we just change the characters the strength of the characters are such that there is a character who is clearly the a villain undoubtedly a monster and yet by the end of the series i'm like how how does he have redeeming qualities how did they do that how why do i now care about this character he right. gave me nothing to care about before he was just like almost a must, mustache twirling villain and it's like nope you're there is oh my god there's good to you i i can't process this <laughs> wow because you're supposed to be the bad guy. Yeah, it it uh, it hit me a lot harder than I ever expected, and I have like I've talked to some folks at work who are familiar with it, and they're like, "Oh yeah, welcome to the club." <laughs> um, I 100% get why uh, players and cosplayers have gravitated to the character of Jinx, who was the only character I recognized in the first place. And I have always missed, I'm like, oh, they just like her because, you know, she's the crazy character. She's the Harley Quinn of this. That's what I always thought too. She is 100% not. She's a wildly different character than Harley Quinn. (laughs) Um, and it's like, oh, okay. I, I have different opinions now. I have very different opinions. If you haven't seen Arcane, watch it. Nice. Oh, okay. I was, um, having a hard time deciding which one of these other things I, I wrote down would be my last, uh, top five. Cable, you both inspired me at that slash reminded me of a title that I had not written down, but I, they feel pretty strongly about it. So I'm like embarrassed to say, as I realize I'm like, why did I not think of that? <laughs> um, and I'm going to guess neither of you guys have watched this. It's a show called Centaur World. I still haven't gotten around to it. it is, I haven't watched that. I've just oh became aware of it. It's it well it's relatively new. The second season just came out, but it is technically a 2021 as far as I can tell. So mm-hmm. it it came out, I think it had like a huge fan reaction and so they like churned out another season or maybe it was already I don't know, but second season is already out. Uh I haven't finished it yet, but uh again, it made me laugh, made me cry. It is this it is it is so bizarre and absurd and <laughs> At a at a glance, like if you walked into the room and you saw this on TV, you might be like, "That's a baby show for babies." Uh, just it's just like weird and silly and makes no sense. But it is, um, it has some like some emotional moments that are like borderline devastating. Um, <laughs> and this this horse, uh, this war horse, is separated from her rider and ends up in this other bizarre magical world where everything is a centaur. I, I I can I do not know how to like explain like to to express to you how literal I am when I say everything is a centaur, okay. the birds, the trees, 
the sea <laughs> animals. Yes, yes, everything is a centaur. And so that's where like a lot of the bizarreness comes from. And, and there's magic in this world, but it's weird magic that doesn't really make a lot of sense a lot of the time. And so there's this like dual theme of like these magical creatures, like maybe like finding more to life than just like playing around with their goofy, weird magic that doesn't really do anything useful. And, and the horse trying to get back to her rider because her rider was in, in a war. There was a war going on in her home world that she really wants to get back to and be a part of. And the horse is a serious war horse. And this, this world is weird and goofy and nonsensical and she hates it. Uh, mm-hmm. but the longer she's there, the more it changes her. Uh, and that is both metaphorical and literal. Hmm. Fascinating. It is. I, I absolutely thought I was going to hate it when I started watching it, but um, give it a couple episodes and you will, you, you will probably change your mind. I do want to try it out. If only I know, I know what people are talking about. Cause all of my friends talk about it. <laughs> Almost everyone I know bring that show up. So it's like, all right, I need to watch it. Just so I can oh, yeah, the, the villain, but... the villain has a wonderfully creepy theme song. The, uh, the chat lit up about uh, centaur world. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, and also mentioned Owl house, which I have not seen as many episodes of, but I also really like that show. They're Woo-hoo! very, different. they're very different though. Oh, I'm just trying to help. <laughs> cool. Um, Hootie. Hootie. Those are pretty solid top fives for all of us, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and between this, from this conversation, I now have a new game I want to play, a new comic I want to read, a new show I want to watch. Yeah. Well, we don't have a whole lot of time, but I still wouldn't mind trying to dive into the book of Boba Fett a little bit. What do you guys think? I I think let's wait till next week and we'll talk two episodes all at once. Okay. I'm down with that. I'm down with I, that too. I think I might want to watch the first one again. Yeah, I'd agree. Because now I think about it, I think I watched it like I was pretty tired when I watched it. So uh, I'm, yeah, I'm also going to be a little late watching the second episode because we're going to go see No Way Home tomorrow. Oh, you're going to have fun. I know you've seen it, Aaron. Denise, mm-hmm. have you seen it already? No, no. Is it is it theaters only? Yes. Yes. I mean, I definitely haven't. I'm just curious if I can do that soon. And you know, I might still could, but it's doing crazy bonker numbers too. Mm. Yep. Even though there's still a surge. Mm. Yeah. I know. Yeah. A lot of people are canceling plans. As they should. Yeah. I'm a, uh, this is going to be one of those. Uh, this is probably one of our more public outings that we'll end up doing for a while because we, you know, we we hit a million cases. <laughs> yeah, just uh, I have to go back home on Sunday. Oh, um, and I'm kind of regretting saying I would do this, <laughs> just because that town is awful. Like it's awful when there's not a pandemic. <laughs> <laughs> um. So yeah. Uh, yeah. Stock up on your N95 masks. Just got a shipment. 
And so yep, that's, that's like the one big thing that I'm seeing is people are really, really recommending that like you no longer rely on cloth masks for for the current situation. Yeah, I, we just got the N95, so I've been double masking for over a year. So I would say that you're probably fine, Cable, because you do wear like the more traditional surgical topped with a f- fabric guy. Well, I, I wear I wear K95s, uh, and, right. uh, with and then a fabric mask over top of it. So yeah, I, just... I was I was using cloth ones that have the 95 filters inside of them, mm, yep. and now I've, I'm switching over to just the 95 guy because they have a better seal. Yep, and then a silicone guy with a filter because again it has a better seal. Yeah, yep. I will probably still put a cloth over my 95 just because I find them visually appealing. Mm-hmm. There's that too. <laughs> But it just, I know, I know the people listening to us understand this, but just wear your masks, get your boosters, get vaccinated if you haven't. Yeah, limit, I'm just, limit I'm your not looking forward to it. Be uh, smart. Yeah. You're I'm worried because my town literally has people that will try to take a mask off your face because you're a sheeple. The town's awful. That's, Yeah. I, I got that impression from someone else's um, recent experience there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not a good place. Yep. <laughs> uh, well, I think we could wrap it up then. Um, oh, shoot, that reminds me. Actually, I won't be here next week, so we have to figure out how to pull this live thing off. Oh. Um, or maybe I just stream from there, because maybe I'll need to lock myself into a room and need something that's calming. Uh, yeah, it's just, it just depends on what your availability and you know openness to to doing the show are going to be. Based yeah, on what your other what your schedule over there looks like. Yeah, but we we can we can figure that out off air. So. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. But in the meantime, we definitely have a lot more media to talk about. Like, mm-hmm. there's season two of The Witcher. There's Far From Home. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, uh, Prodigy Bobby comes Kent. back this week. Yep. Right. We have to wait because until February discovery. for Discovery. I actually need to catch up on some stuff from when I was out of town. Boy, how do you do your stuff happens mm-hmm. in Discovery. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know about Tilly. Right. Oh, unless, there's so much more. There's, there's more so much more. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, yeah. I, just, I haven't been ready. It's been a little bit of a whirlwind since I got back. So, yeah. Whew. All right. Well, with that, I'm Aaron Duran. I'm Bean Rita. And I'm Cable Hashitani. Welcome back, Bean. Thanks. <laughs> and we'll be back next week. Bye-bye.